It's been a little bit, but we are back. On today's Winning Cures Everything, the latest on the Pac-12 TV deal, shots fired from Trent Dilfer, of course the UAB head coach, reactions to the 2024 SEC matchups release, Texas Tech is honoring Coach Mike Leach, EA Sports college football video game stuff, and a whole lot more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $129 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Listening to Winning Cures Everything. Game day, baby. Wake up or get out. Here's your host, a confident young man, a superb athlete, Gary Seegers. All right, it's been a minute since we did one of these. Welcome back to Winning Cures Everything, powered by BetUS, where the game begins. And this is where we talk college football news and rumors all year round. I'm Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Twitter at GaryWCE, and this is the Saturday, June 24th edition of the show. It's Season 8, Episode 33. I'll go ahead and tell you, I recorded two of these in the last week plus about my reaction to the SEC schedule, Pac-12, CUSA preview, etc., and I had technical difficulties. Like I'm, I'm a tech guy, and I had technical difficulties. I recorded the whole thing, realized that one had audio cutting in and out, so you couldn't use it. It was a bad mic cable. And then the other one, after I swapped out the mic cable, had no audio at all. So some of it may have had to do with the fact that I had not restarted my computer in quite a while because obviously I'm an idiot. But I'm back, and we are going to make it work this time. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, of course, thank you humbly. And, uh, and please hit that like button. Whether you're watching or listening to the podcast, hit subscribe so you never miss the latest tales from the college football universe. Now, once we get into football season, I will have a podcast-only episode every week. So make sure that you subscribe to Winning Cures Everything on Spotify, Apple, you know, whatever your favorite podcast app is. Now, we've moved into preview season. We haven't talked a lot about the news that's going on this summer. So we're going to do a new show today just to talk about what is happening in college football. More previews are coming, though. Um, I'll tell you where I've been the last week. I've been to see Tyler Childers and Marcus King in St. Louis. I went to see the Foo Fighters with Pretty Reckless opening in Birmingham last weekend. I got to tell you, it made me miss playing music a little bit. I I do get a bit of that, you know, the creative release by doing this podcast. But every now and then, I miss being on stage. Like, if you're listening to this and you've never listened to my old band, you can go check out ProSevere on Spotify or Apple Music or whatever it is. Um, We did that for quite a while. Like, I'm I'm significantly too old at this point. Uh, But, you know, tell me in the comments. Like, what shows you guys have checked out recently? If you ever listen to my band, all that kind of stuff. I'm very curious what kind of musical tastes uh, we have here. 
Now, I will have the, I mentioned previews. I'll have the COSA preview up soon. Uh, I'll get into a better routine going forward. We're, we're kind of running out of time for these previews. I mean, it's, it's almost July now. But I'm going to do everything I can to get them all done. Uh, for those that don't know, my wife and I are expecting a baby in early September. And no, I don't need the jokes about the timing. Right? <laughs> like I'm a college football guy, and we're having a baby at the very beginning of the season. So I'm, I'm going to do my best to be as available as possible for my wife and for the show. Like for you guys that have children, you know how it gets in the third trimester. It's a little, it's a little crazy. Uh, real quick, the BetUS College Football Show is back. We started previewing week one games this past Wednesday over on that channel, uh, which you can find in the description below. If you're not already following the guys, Parker is at Stats of War. Kyle is at Kyle Hunter Picks on Twitter. So go ahead and give them a follow as we roll into our third season doing the BetUS show. We just keep on rolling. Uh, the numbers are looking good. Numbers are looking good. All right, now we've got a lot to discuss in the world of college football. So, hey, let's go ahead and get to it. Uh, let's write down our times here. Let's start off with the big one. It's June 24th. Do you know where your Pac-12 games will be on TV in 2024? Like We're basically a week away from San Diego State's buyout more than doubling. So if the Pac-12 is going to expand, they really need to do it ASAP. But it's tough to talk expansion when there's no media deal to hang as a carrot to entice other schools to join you. Unless, of course, you know, you're expecting to maybe lose a school to another conference soon, <clears throat> Colorado. Uh, San Diego State would basically be a replacement for Colorado. And that, that's neither here nor there. Uh, and no worries, we're going to talk more about San Diego State in just a minute. Uh, Andrew Marchand from the New York Post has been diving back into the Pac-12 media rights negotiations, all that stuff. In the last few months, we've learned that ESPN is not going to pay basically anything for the rights. Uh, we've also heard about streamers, which networks are not interested, etc. And he broke it down on their latest podcast. That's the uh, Marshan and Oran podcast. He said last week that, quote, Amazon is unlikely, CBS is a no, NBC USA is another no, Fox is a no too. Those are the biggest players. Then you get into Apple, they're a little bit of a wild card. Uh, I've heard certain things, but nothing definitively. I lean towards probably not with them. The Pac-12 has said they do not want to do an all-digital deal, and it looks like that's Apple's strategy. So that leaves the CW, Scripps, which is Ion, and those types of players. Now he continued, if the Pac-12 got a deal with ESPN, it would probably be for low money, he said. I would be very surprised if the Pac-12 got the same amount of money from ESPN as the Big 12. Of course, these are very specific things that you're hearing from Marshand, right? Now, John Canzano, of course, Mr. Pac-12 Everything, reported this week that a source told him that the Pac-12 is confident that the conference will beat the Big 12's deal. But, you know, considering that's uh, supposed to be out, what, $31.7 million per year, I still don't see how that's going to work. Now, this morning, Jim Williams... And Jim Williams, you can follow him on Twitter at uh, JWMediaDC. He tweeted this morning uh, that he spoke to two Pac-12 administrators who have been involved with the media rights deal, and they told him this. We are close to wrapping this up, and I think the media will be surprised to see how creative and forward-thinking a deal it is. Now, let me say this on the front end. I don't know of many deals that have been creative and forward-thinking that has been favorable to the fans of a brand or organization, right? I think Larry Scott's original idea of the independent Pac-12 network was forward-thinking, and now there's only about 15 million people in the country that can watch those networks, which, 
has obviously gotten the Pac-12 into this situation. Now, while I trust Jim, I don't trust any of these sources anymore. Like, this is... It, it happened a long time ago, but it's turned into, you know, the realignment version of two weeks to stop the spread, right? And we don't have to get into politics here, but you get what I'm saying. Everything has been, we expect it to be done soon, or we'll have it done in likely a couple more weeks. It's been the same answer since last fall. Going to open market was obviously a disastrous idea because it let the Big 12 get in and get their deal done before the Pac-12 was able to. I understand wanting to see what the market rate is, but Klyovkov and company overestimated their worth in a big way. Like, the later we get into the summer, the less convinced uh, that this is going to, well, the less convinced I am uh, that this is going to end up well for George Klyovkov and, and company. Like, we're a month away from July. That's a year away from the current deal expiring. These administrators still do not have figures to budget for the future. And, and speaking of the future, right, how about this? How about the whole San Diego State mess? Like, if you weren't keeping up, San Diego State sent a letter to the Mountain West Conference this week announcing their intentions to leave for another conference. But they stated it was not an official withdrawal. So they asked for an extension to officially leave because, as I said earlier, their buyout to the Mountain West Conference goes from $16.5 million to $34 million if they provide notice to the conference after June 30th. Now, this is all set up around TV deals, et cetera, right? They have to be able to plan for the future. Is San Diego State going to be a member of the conference or not? The Mountain West told them basically no can do on the extension and that they won't approve a reduced exit fee or an installment plan for the school. And honestly, who could blame them? I mean, it's like telling your wife that you're leaving her for another woman, but, you know, maybe you're asking to stay in the house a little bit longer until your new apartment's ready. I mean, the whole thing's just foolish. So there have been some people that have asked me, well, why doesn't San Diego State just go ahead and tell the Mountain West that they're leaving then? And the answer is pretty simple. They don't actually have an invitation from the Pac-12 yet. Until the media deal is done, there's no telling how much money the Pac-12 schools are going to be getting. And if they're still in negotiations, they got to be sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that San Diego State adds value instead of decreasing the amount each school is going to get in the new media rights deal. So... Let's continue with the analogy. It would be like officially divorcing your wife before knowing if the other woman actually wants to be with you. Right? So if San Diego State leaves, the Mountain West could replace them quickly. And we don't have to get into who that might be with, etc. But it's not like they hadn't been doing their homework. I mean, this stuff leaked a long time ago about potential Pac-12 expansion. If the Mountain West doesn't have a spot for them and the Pac-12 doesn't invite them, is a San Diego State TV deal as an independent worth as much as their portion of the MWC deal? Likely not, considering they don't have very long to make a schedule for the 2024 season. I mean, you think about it, when you're leaving a conference, you give up, what, it, the Mountain West, I think, is eight games? So you're giving up eight games off your schedule. And I don't think you can just go to those school and say, hey, we're going to be an independent, but you want to you wanna play us anyway? <laughs> I seriously doubt it. I seriously doubt that would happen. Uh, so the Pac-12, in my opinion, basically did San Diego State dirty. They got their hopes up, talked them into joining up uh, with them without knowing whether or not they're going to have a spot even available. So let's let's take another analogy here. It's like getting your buddy worked up to come, you know, he's going to quit his job and come work at your bigger company. And then he gets ready to quit, but you don't have the resources to be able to pay him. Like, I mean, it's... 
it's setting somebody up for failure. I, I got to tell you, I cannot believe that we are this far along. It is June 24th, and we have absolutely no idea what is going to happen. We got no clue. It is just mind-blowing. All right, Winning Cures Everything is brought to you by BetUS with fast payouts, fantastic customer service, a myriad of options to bet on, and an easy-to-use layout. It's easy to see why it's been America's favorite online sports book for nearly 30 years. Right now, they're going to give you $50 to play with, no deposit required, just by signing up using the link in the description below. So take advantage of the deal and get signed up at BetUS, where the game begins. College football regular season win totals are out, by the way. You got week one and, uh, and week zero lines out. Some of the game of the year lines through the month of September. All that kind of stuff is already over there. And, of course, make sure and check out, you know, my stuff over at BetUS TV and the BetUS College Football Show. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it, they got a lot of stuff over there. So BetUS, where the game begins. Click that link in the description below. Let's move into, I call this four more situations to discuss. Okay, these are some other kind of big stories that, uh, that we need to talk about. Uh, and the first one here, let's write down our times. There's been talk about a potential player boycott of the EA Sports college football video game uh, by the college football players. You know, and this is all due to the potential $500 payout being too low. Now I'll go ahead and admit I'm kind of irritated about the possibility of a delay. Now, EA says that there's not going to be a delay, and we'll talk about that situation in just a bit, but this back-and-forth mess from these companies that I've never heard of is driving me nuts. I am all for the players making as much money as they can. However, on something like this, it's effectively a group effort. It's kind of a joke to expect a lot of money individually when there's 133 FBS teams and all right, so just to make it easy, we'll say there's 100 players per team. 100 times 133 is uh, is 13,300, right? Each of those players making $500 is uh, six, a little over $6.5 million. So the NCAA 14 game was the highest-selling version of the game, and it sold over a million copies. Right, so and I don't think it was a lot over that. I think it was just right at a million copies. So, and this we're trying to make this easy. It retailed at fifty bucks back then. So let's say fifty million dollars gross if it sold right at a million million copies. If this game retails at sixty nine ninety nine, like the new Madden game is going to in August, a million copies means seventy million dollars. So six and a half million is going to mean almost ten percent of the gross sales. Now you got to remember. The schools are going to get licensing payouts along with whatever networks and voices they end up using in the game as well. Uh, the game designers are going to be, they'll need to be paid. Uh, the company has to make some money on it, et cetera, right? And I imagine that the group representing the players is probably looking back at the 2016 lawsuit settlement. Uh, in that situation, you had 25,000 players that were in EA games from 2003 through uh, 2014 that ended up getting a total payout of $60 million, which was a little less than $2,500 each. So, maybe the players could stand to push for a bit more. But that $60 million was from overall sales from all the games back then. You toss on inflation, the fact that you're getting payments from games that aren't even on sale anymore, and this one, you've actually got firm figures for it. Like, the upcoming game, you have no idea what it's actually going to do. Like, if the players seriously boycott over this payment, 
it could mean another delay of the game, which would drive me insane. EA has confirmed uh, that the lawsuit from the Brander Group, uh, of course, I mentioned the company that that I don't even know who this is, uh, but it, the lawsuit is not going to impact the summer 2024 release date. Now, EA said uh, they've not made any monetary offers for players yet, and they're still several months away from determining the amount of money that they're going to offer. So it kind of seems like all this is a little bit premature, right? Now, this is going to sound like an old man rant, but this is what you get. The NCAA had the opportunity for years to do something about NIL, and because they didn't, they're not having a lot of luck putting the genie back in the bottle. Collective bargaining is pretty much impossible because there is no players union in college football. EA works with the NFLPA for Madden. Like it, they make it very easy. They're all together in that thing. In this situation, they got to work with all 13,000-plus CFB players to make this work. The, the NIL thing is going to lead to the athletes eventually becoming employees, which is not going to end well for the schools or the players. Like All the reports that I've seen have said that players don't even want to be employees. Now, take that with a grain of salt because of who it's coming from, but regardless, when you're talking about this ridiculously large amount of money, it was always bound to happen. And when the players do become employees of the schools, the schools are going to be able to set their own rules again. Like where and when a player can transfer, etc. But it's going to absolutely destroy Title IX. It's going to get rid of a lot of non-revenue sports along the way, among other things. I mean, this is, this is another thing surrounding this sport that has just become exceedingly exhausting. Hey, if we don't get this video game after being promised it for almost two years, I'm going to get pretty irritated. I understand the players' viewpoints, but I don't have to like it, right? I'm curious your thought. Toss it in the comments. Let me know what you guys think about this because, whew, it drives me nuts. All right. Let's, uh, let's talk about something interesting, right? This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Trent Dilfer, UAB head coach, went on the Rick and Bubba show, and he sent a stern warning to opposing coaches. He said, by the way, come try and get my guys. I dare you, Power Fives. I got a pretty big platform that I can step on, and if I find you in my kids' DMs, and if I find you talking to high school coaches about my kids, if you're in my roster, I'm going to call your ass out. I'm going to say it by name to the biggest voices in television today, and it's going to make college game day, and it's going to make Sports Center. By the way, those guys running Sports Center are still my friends. So go ahead. I dare you to jump into my roster. 
I told the AAC coaches the same thing. I said, why don't you guys have the you-know-whats to stand up and say, get out of my roster? I said, here's why. Because you want their job. I want this job. I don't want no power. I want this job. I want to live in Birmingham. I want to live downtown. I want to go see my grandson in Nashville. I don't want that other job, so I don't care if you blackball me. I want this job. I want the city of Birmingham to say, no, that's our city. That's our coach. So go ahead. I'm not scared of whoever the grand poobah of poobahs to blackball me. Like, get out of my roster. These are my guys. I love these guys. Stay the hell out of it. Now, that was a lot, right? He was pretty fired up. I felt like I needed to read the whole thing just to give you proper context of of the situation. How he sounded, what his emotions were. Do we really believe that he would not accept a bigger job? (laughs) What what if he does really, really well at UAB and, uh, you know, he ends up getting called by Tennessee, right? Birmingham to Nashville is about the same as Knoxville to Nashville. You're telling me he wouldn't want more resources to be able to go win? Like, if if your only aspirations are to be the UAB head coach, are we sure you're the right guy for UAB? But either way, the other part of this is it kind of sends a different signal than what he said, what, like three weeks ago? When he was talking to Andy Wittry from On3 about an NIL money at UAB? Now, he, he said on June 4th, that schools like UAB should be using NIL money for retention, not going to try and buy new players. But here's the issue. So in in that interview, he stated this, I'm not competing against Tulane and UTSA for retention. I'm I'm competing against Georgia, Alabama, Ole Miss, etc. Right? That's who I'm competing against. So how can I say if they offer $400,000, do I need to even offer $50,000? Do you even try to retain that player? If you develop a player and he's good enough to make that type of money at a program that would be perceived up from us economically for sure, uh, well, as a player since your coach, isn't it my job to encourage him to take that money if he doesn't hurt his chances of making generational wealth at the next level? And there lies the kicker. Those seem like two completely... It seems like he's contradicting himself. And, and in a span of three weeks. So three weeks ago, he's telling everybody... Hey, if they can go make crazy NIL money at Georgia, Alabama, et cetera, somewhere that it's not going to hurt him getting developed for the next level, who am I to stand in the way? But at the same time, now, three weeks later, he's saying, y'all stay out of my roster. You're not coming to get my guys. Okay. You know, what, what are you? Dilfer has never been a college coach at any level or any position. He was a high school coach just last season. So I know it's going to take some getting used to for him, but this feels like, you know, somebody explained the tampering rules to him the night before, and he got all excited about it, and then he went to do a radio interview, and he started foaming at the mouth. Like, UAB is still attempting to figure out their place in the world of college football right now. The school did not even have a football program seven years ago. And then they brought it back, and Bill Clark managed to win a couple of CUSA championships in the six seasons after they came back to life, but... They're moving up to the AAC. That's a different animal. Like, what does college football even look like in a few years? Like, I would imagine that we're going to see less of this from Dilfer once he's actually had a chance to coach a game. But who knows? I mean, this is... It feels like it just depends on the day what version of this guy you're going to get. It is absolutely wild. All right. 
Moving along. This is, I feel like this one's going to be a long one today. we got a lot of stuff to go over. The 2024 SEC Conference Opponent Schedule was uh, released on June 14th. And while there were still some people complaining about the fact that it's only an eight-game schedule, the majority of the college football media, at least the ones that really love the sport, they came across as pretty excited about some of these matchups that we're getting in the SEC. Now, before we roll through some of the schedules, I'll give you the top five games that I am most looking forward to seeing. So we'll start off with this one. Georgia at Alabama. That's number one. There's just something about these two teams meeting in the regular season that really gets people fired up. Like four of the last five times these teams have played, it was either the SEC championship game twice or the national championship game also twice. In 2020, the only regular season matchup since 2015, it was the second most watched game of the regular season behind Notre Dame and Clemson. And that game ended up being an overtime game on NBC the night that Biden was announced the winner of the election. So needless to say, Georgia-Alabama is going to be the biggest game of the day, no matter when it is played during that season. Number two, Texas at Texas A&M. I mean, how could this not be <laughs> number two here? I mean, it's, it's likely a lot of people's number one. It's going to be the first time the rivalry has been played since good old Justin Tucker kicked that field goal that broke the hearts of Aggie fans everywhere in that 27-25 classic on Thanksgiving night back in 2011. Now, these two fan bases hate each other, and I am beyond excited that we're getting it back. Uh, number three, Tennessee at Oklahoma. Josh Heupel gets to go home. Not to mention, you know, these two fan bases, it's a bit of a rivalry game. They don't get to play all the time, but it's two iconic brands with two big fan bases that are both going to travel, right? You're going to have a lot of Tennessee fans in Norman. Uh, these two played a non-conference series back in 2014 and 2015. Oklahoma rallied from 17 down to win 31-24 in Neyland back in 2015. Eight years later, the Vols are now headed back to Norman to try and get a little bit of revenge. All right, number four here, Florida at Texas. These two teams have only played three times ever, and the last two were in 1939 and 1940. Now, I want you to think about that. We have not seen Texas and Florida play since before World War II. I think Austin is probably going to be rocking for this one regardless of records. It's two big brands. Uh, but seeing those two helmets... And then, of course, you've got the added storyline, Arch Manning playing against the team that his Uncle Peyton never beat. That should be a whole lot of fun. Number five, and last one that I'm going to give you here, Oklahoma at LSU. I am wishing so much that this game is at night. I cannot wait to see the looks on the Oklahoma players' faces when they come out of the tunnel. I mean, they're walking into Death Valley at night if, if we're lucky enough to have that happen. Uh, these two teams have only played three times. Oklahoma whipped the Tigers in the Sugar Bowl back in 1950. Saban's Bunch in 2003 beat Bob Stoops, big game Bob, for a BCS National Championship. And then Joe Burrow's Bunch in 2019 whipped Lincoln Riley and Jalen Hurts, basically like an FCS school. I mean, it was 56-14 before LSU took their foot off the gas. All right, let's, uh, let's look through some of the rest of the schedules here. Uh, if you didn't already see it, the Mississippi State AI-generated mascot schedule was hilarious. Uh, definitely go take a look at that one. Florida, that's the first one we'll start with. They were done no favors with their schedule. Uh, they're one of the teams that was that voted for a nine-game schedule, but I would imagine after looking at this, I am very curious if they don't go back on that. Uh, they've also got that season in their non-conference. They got UCF, Miami, and at Florida State on the schedule. So, yeah. Yikes. Uh, Alabama got a gauntlet as well. Road games at LSU, Oklahoma, and Tennessee. They're, uh, they're hosting Auburn and Georgia that year, and they've got a game in the non-con at Wisconsin early in the season. 
And I'll tell you what it made me think. Makes you wonder whether or not they gave Alabama the Georgia game because of Nick Saban leaking and griping about their three permanent rivals being Auburn, LSU, and Tennessee if they moved to nine games. So, Sankey said, all right, well, we're going to give you all three of them, and we'll give you Oklahoma and Georgia on top of that. <laughs> uh, Arkansas is another one. Season ticket holders got the dream home game schedule. They got LSU, Ole Miss, Tennessee, and Texas all coming to Fayetteville. That's pretty cool. None of the road games are too scary, so Arkansas got set up. Uh, I'm sure Arkansas fans feel like this is the first time that the SEC has not screwed them. Uh, LSU, their schedule, they see Alabama, Ole Miss, and Oklahoma at home, but also road games at South Carolina, Texas A&M, Florida, and Arkansas. Ole Miss gets to host Oklahoma. That pairs Lane Kiffin against his former OC Jeff Lebby, so long as everybody's still there, of course. South Carolina travels to Oklahoma as well. Uh, That's a return to Norman for Shane Beamer. He was the special teams coach under Lincoln Riley. Uh, Missouri versus Oklahoma. That gives us a little look back at the Big 12, of course, uh, because we did not get Oklahoma and Texas A&M. Mississippi State, they get to host Florida, you know, years after Florida stole Dan Mullen and then dropped him. Uh, So the biggest question is, what are we not going to see, right? Like, we're excited about the games that we do get to see, but what are the ones that we're not seeing yet? Mississippi State does not see Alabama, Auburn, or LSU on their schedule. Those are all rivalries that have been played forever. Missouri, Kentucky is gone. Uh, That had turned into a pretty good secondary rivalry. We don't see Oklahoma, Texas A&M. I just mentioned that one. And, you know, (laughs) maybe I'm partial. Uh, I think everybody remembers the 77 to nothing beating that the Sooners uh, put on Dennis Franchoni's Aggies back in the day. So I'm, I'm very interested to see that one. Uh, South Carolina does not get Georgia or Florida. I'm sure they're excited about that. Jimbo and Texas A&M, they get to dodge Lane Cliff and counting them, uh, clowning them for at least one season. Auburn misses LSU, uh, Ole Miss, and Arkansas. Those are you know rivalries that have been played every year since 1992. Uh, some of those even longer. Auburn, LSU, Auburn, Ole Miss, those are long-time rivalries. The Arkansas game has been played every year since 92. Uh, Georgia gets... Auburn and Tennessee at home. Of course, the Florida game. Uh, Georgia's got to visit Ole Miss, Alabama, and Texas. Uh, and then on top of that, I mean, Kirby Smart's bunch, they opened the 2024 season with Clemson. That's, I, I'll tell you what I'm surprised that we didn't get. We don't have Texas and Ole Miss yet. Like, seeing as to how, you know, Arch Manning, that whole storyline would have been pretty juicy uh, because of, obviously, the Manning presence in Oxford. Uh, we didn't get Texas versus Tennessee either. So Arch is not going to be playing either of the schools that his uncles played for. I would imagine that's coming in 2025. Hey, they can't possibly let him leave campus before playing at least one of those teams, right? I mean, you want to talk about a missed opportunity. Like, unless... So, so how about this? Maybe the Mannings have some kind of in with Sankey and the schedule makers, and they just don't... They, they would like to avoid that. Possible, I guess. Uh, either way, the biggest issue with the, uh, the way the schedule is set up is there's the possibility with an eight-game schedule of three SEC teams going undefeated, meaning a team without a loss in conference would have to miss the SEC championship game. Now, that won't make a massive difference when it comes to the playoff, as, you know, it's expanding to 12 teams anyway. Um, But with an eight-game schedule, there's going to be a lot of three-team combinations that could all go undefeated in conference in the same season. I believe in 2024, it's 45 combinations, to be exact. So what are the most likely combinations here? You can have a scenario where LSU, Texas, and Tennessee all 
reasonably could go undefeated in 2024. They None of them play each other. And they've all got, you know, schedules that set up all right. I mean, you want to talk about an Alabama fan's worst nightmare? That could also happen with LSU, Tennessee, and Auburn all potentially going undefeated. You could see Georgia, Texas A&M, and Oklahoma. I mean, obviously, the odds are really unlikely, especially in a conference like this. But you'd like to have these things set up to where there's a nice little bow on them, right? Like, I I talked a couple of years ago about the SEC potentially moving to uh, the pod system. You got four 14 pods, and you add a ninth conference game based on conference standings. So all four of the pod winners are playing each other, effectively setting up a playoff system to make it to the SEC championship game. I doubt they'd go for that due to the chances of rematches and all that, but, you know, it's fun to think about. Um, But overall, every single week, there's going to be monster matchups that are going to draw just huge TV ratings. I think the SEC did about as well as they could have with this. I mean, 2024 is going to be wild. Let let me know in the comments what games you are looking forward to the most uh, because I know I definitely did not hit all of them. Uh, But there's some monster, monster games that are going to be a lot of fun. A whole lot of fun. The late Mike Leach is the winningest head coach in Texas Tech football history. He went 84-43 and 43 with the Red Raiders. That included winning 11 games in 2008 and upsetting number one Texas. However, if you followed this sport on any level, you know Leach leaving Lubbock didn't exactly end well. Till the day he died, Coach Leach was still pissed off that Texas Tech tried to ruin his reputation and that they didn't pay him for the last year of his contract. He was still bringing it up to friends that he was close to, even in his last year. He was still filing lawsuits, which, by the way, if you want to know how Texas Tech got out those legal issues, you should Google it. It's wild. Tech invoked sovereign immunity. I mean, the whole thing from what, 2011, is bananas. And Mike Leach said back in 2017, this is before his time at Mississippi State, of course, he said, this thing won't really go away. Uh, He said, it'll never go away until this thing is settled, and it should be settled because why should the future generation bear the black eye and the cloud that their university cheated their most successful head coach in history? And why should I bear that some of the 10 most productive years of my career? I was cheated out of my salary and all the great memories that I, fans, players, and coaches had are diminished. Texas Tech still owed him $2.6 million. These days, that settlement would basically be nothing, uh, but principle is principle. By this point, some of you may be asking why the hell I'm even talking about this. I get that. Last week, Texas Tech announced that they will recognize Leach with a spot in their Hall of Honor. Leach passed away December 12th due to complications related to a heart condition. I remember thinking it was weird that Tech football was wearing, you know, gear honoring Mike Leach for their bowl game against Ole Miss. But this is even more weird to me. There's been no news that I found about whether or not Mike Leach's family approved this, whether or not they're okay with it, or if Texas Tech even reached out to him. What I'm worried about is, is that Tech is doing this to try and make themselves feel better, or even worse, just to make themselves look good? Like, honestly, it's a bit shameful. Like, what that school did to that man, the stress that they put him through, I feel like it's wrong of them to not give this more time. Like, instead, they're doing it less than a year after he passed, 
knowing that he was still not okay with being mentioned in the same sentence as that school. If the announcement had come with, you know, an apology of any sort, or at least, you know, mentioned their wrongdoings and why the relationship was so broken, I might could understand it. But all they did was talk about how Tech experienced their most successful seasons in history under Leach, and then talked about his, quote, memorable tenure. I mean, the last paragraph of that release that they put out starts with, Following his tenure at Texas Tech, Leach enjoyed successful stints at both Washington State and Mississippi State. There was no mention of why he ended up at those places to begin with. I mean, Tech tried to destroy that man's reputation, and they stole money from him. I don't think that honoring him without any kind of apology or admission of wrongdoing is the right way to go about this. Maybe it's just me. Tell me what you guys think. Hopefully they'll do the right thing here, but... Ugh, this looks like a, a PR move if there has ever been one. I mean, it is just grotesque. Uh, quick reminder, uh, like the video. There's a little thumbs up button, of course. And, uh, and make sure to subscribe to the show. It helps out tremendously. And if you like it, tell somebody about what I'm doing over here. Uh, I'm trying to get to 10,000 subscribers on WCE this football season. It's a one-man show. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm doing all this stuff by myself. You see the graphics on the screen? That's all me. You hear the audio? The podcast version and the video version, all the separate segments that I cut up, that's all me. So, share the show out. Uh, tell your friends about it, all that good stuff. Whew. All right. We got time for some rapid-fire news, or uh, or what I like to call more things to know. Uh, we'll, we'll roll through these fairly quickly. Da, 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 writing down the times here, in case you're listening on the podcast and want to know what I'm doing. Texas A&M defensive line coach Terry Price passed away unexpectedly on Friday. He was 55 years old. Price had been an assistant coach in College Station since 2012. He had always done an incredible job with that defensive line. Players, coaches, and fans all loved him. He was an alum of A&M. Like, I, this one has to sting for the Aggies. Uh, so I wanted to give my condolences, of course, to his family and to the Texas A&M family. It, it seems like we're getting a lot of these. You know, the D.C. from UCLA... Last year, he passed away. Uh, Mike Leach, of course, back in December. Now you got Terry Price. I don't feel like this is a common thing. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, but it doesn't feel like this happens all that often, and we seem to be having it happen more frequently in college football right now. 55 is not old. It is not old. I mean, it's terrifying. Uh, football scoop. Let's talk about football scoop right quick. Da, da, da. Football scoop reported that Lane Kiffin made sure that his entire coaching staff is mental health first aid certified. Now, I don't have a whole lot of information about it. I just saw the headline and thought that this was one of the coolest things in the world. It appears that they are the first full coaching staff to have gone through this. But with the way that rosters are set up and constructed now, with all the different things that can affect a kid's mental health and the way that you can, you know, get them into the game. I mean, it, Kiffin was there with Saban and understood, you know, exactly what goes into all of these different things about uh, mental preparedness. And it, it's something that Nick Saban has been in the forefront of, right? This makes all the sense in the world that it's Lane Kiffin doing this. Now, I don't know what all first aid certified is as far as mental health is concerned. What I do know is I think this was a wise way 
to spend some time. It's a very good thing to do, I believe. So cheers to Ole Miss for knocking that out. Uh, that was that's smart. That is very, very smart, especially with the way that things are going in this country right now. The NCAA's Committee on Infractions has been on a tear lately. One of the cases that they finally handled was yeah, the Bayou Bengals down in Baton Rouge. LSU was placed on three years probation, and per a self-imposed penalty, they vacated 37 wins from the record books from 2012 through 2015. And that was due to having a player that has now been ruled as ineligible. Now, I know what you guys are thinking. Like, who gives a rip about vacating wins, right? And we, obviously, none of us really cares about it. LSU's still going to claim them in the media guides and all that, right? Yeah, probably. Uh, <laughs> we, we're not going to forget that those wins happened. Uh, but one thing that this does do is change Les Miles' overall record. He was 145-73. and 73. That is a 66.5% winning percentage. And it changes it to 108 and 73, which is 59.66%. Thereby, that makes him ineligible for the College Football Hall of Fame. Now, do I think that he was ever going in uh, after all the stuff that we found out about him since he left LSU? Probably not. But this way, we know for sure that he will never be bestowed with that honor, regardless of whether anyone forgets about what happened or not. So, you know, silver linings, I guess. I guess. Let's talk CFP. Bill Hancock is retiring as CFP Executive Director in February 2025. Now, he is 72 right now, so it would make sense that he'll be closing up shop, right? I mean, he's getting older. Why would you want to continue to do this? Uh, Hancock was the last Executive Director of the BCS, the only director of the 14 playoff and he will be the first director of the 12 team or 12 team playoff. I, I do find it interesting, right? There's been some talk of how you know Jack Swarbrick, soon to be former Notre Dame AD, uh, he could be the next guy up, which uh, I don't know that we've actually talked about that. Notre Dame bringing in a TV guy. Interesting. Either way, I'll I'll talk about it at some point. But Swarbrick is 69 years old right now. Like he's only 3 years younger than Hancock, so I don't think that's likely. But the timing is interesting, right? It's February 2025. The next CFP contract will begin in time for the 2026 season. Like, the first two years of the 12-team expansion are still contractually owned by ESPN. So Hancock is leaving after the the first 12-team college football playoff season. Now, my guess is it's not going to be Swarbrick. They're going to hire somebody that knows what they're doing for TV contract negotiations possibly somebody with NFL experience on the TV side that can get the most money possible while also growing the sport at a national level. Because, and I I hate to over or understate this, but this contract is going to determine whether or not some conferences even continue to exist. That's how important this college football playoff contract is going to be. So, you better hope they get the right guy. Better hope they get the right guy with the right deal. That's all I'm saying. New Colorado coach Deion Sanders, he has been going through it lately. Uh, Last season, he lost two toes on his left foot due to blood flow issues, and there was talk like a week or so ago that he could lose his left foot, you know, to amputation due to the same issues. He had surgery yesterday. 
due to blood clot issues in his left and right legs. And he, he downplayed the amputation stuff. But, look, this keeps happening. And it doesn't sound good. Like, everyone kind of wondered why Deion Sanders jumped at the Colorado job instead of waiting for a bigger one. There was talk about him going to Auburn. You know, if Mike Norvell had not had a good year last year, was there a chance he could be back in Tallahassee? You know, he was brought up for a lot of different things. What if his health is only going to allow him to coach for a short amount of time? And he wanted to make sure that he got to experience FBS football, you know, before it's too late, potentially. Or, or he wanted to be able to coach uh, his sons in the FBS before it became too late. Like, it's just something to ponder. Like, we thought it was crazy for him to have so many transfers, etc. But, look, when a guy's desperate, like, he may do just about anything uh, to be able to win. And I don't know that we ever would have thought to utter the words Deion Sanders and desperate together in the same sentence. But, I mean, you look at what's happened, uh, it would make a whole lot of sense. I mean, just look at what's transpired in his career already. Maybe, maybe that's what he wanted. Like, he went to Jackson State, uh, brought in his kids. You know, why didn't he start this earlier? Like, why, you know, who knows? But I'm, the more you hear about this stuff, the more I am... I'm trying to figure out exactly what it is that's that's happening. Uh, Kirk Herbstreit's son, Zach, uh, tight end at Ohio State. He had a medical scare this week. It's a heart issue. Apparently, it's going to take three to four months. Uh, Zach was a walk-on at Ohio State. You still hate to see this, you know, especially as a parent. I don't know if, I don't know how many of you guys out there that are listening or are watching the show are parents, but uh, anytime that there is any kind of a situation with your child, and it's not something that you can help, it is a really awful feeling. Uh, I mean, most, I'll say most, most parents love their children more than their spouses, more than anything in the planet, right? Uh, When your kid is hurting and there's nothing you can do, it sucks. It sucks. So, yeah, uh, it, it's interesting. I'm, I feel for, you know, Kirk. Um, hate it for Zach. It appears he's going to be okay. Uh, he's going to be retiring, retiring, uh, recovering well into the season. So we will see what ends up happening with that. Um, it's pretty wild, pretty scary stuff. All these heart issues. Crazy. Aaron Murray. Former Georgia quarterback, co-host of Snaps with T-Bob Bear on the Volume Sports Network, he stated this week that he thinks Nick Saban is going to retire soon and that he does not believe Saban will win another national championship. Well, five-star wide receiver recruit Ryan Williams told 247 this week that Saban told him that he's going to coach until he croaks. Now, do I necessarily believe that? No. Uh, but do I think Saban is anywhere close to retiring? I don't know that I think that either. He's still got a great contract. He's still coaching at a ridiculously high level. He's still recruiting at a high level. Like, if he starts to fall off and and he doesn't believe that he can do the job anymore, then obviously he'll retire before he croaks. But I thought it was telling that he's informing his recruits that he's going to be here for the long haul. Uh, It's definitely a little different than what, you know, gets spread around there, uh, especially by guys like Aaron Murray. But we shall see. Uh, that's going to do it for this edition of the show. Of course, in the next day or two, I'll be previewing Conference USA, and and I'm going to do the Mountain West right after that. Uh, I've, I've got both of them basically ready to go. I just have to 
record. Uh, so be on the lookout for those. And we've got another episode of the BetUS College Football Show coming up on Wednesday, July 5th at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. So, of course, mark it on your calendar so you can jump in the chat while we break down some of these early preview games. Uh, if you're not already subscribed over there, again, the link is in the description. Subscribe here, subscribe there. You guys know the deal. Uh, if you like the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest on July 4th, I'm hosting a gambling guide for that event on Monday, June 26th. So that's just in a couple of days over at BetUS TV. Uh, make sure and tune in. You'll see me. You'll see Base Winner. You'll see Kyle Provence from the BetUS MLB show. We're going to give out our picks for the hot dog eating contest. Uh, it's a lot of fun. As always, make sure and like the video. Make sure you are subscribed to the channel. If there's something that you would like for me to talk about on the show, just send it over to me on Twitter. I'm at GaryWCE. Or you can always email me. Uh, I know that we got a little bit of an older audience. A lot of you guys don't like the social media stuff, so you can email me. Gary at winningcureseverything.com. Uh, make sure that you've gotten signed up over at BetUS. And you can click the link in the description for that. And, uh, and tell your friends about the show. Share it out. All right, with that said, let's roll. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. God bless college football. And I hope all your tickets cash this weekend. Thanks for listening to Winning Cures Everything. Make sure and follow me on Twitter, at GaryWCE. If you want to toss in a question, you can email me, Gary, at winningcureseverything.com. Make sure and hit that subscribe button, and we'll see you next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.